Welcome to Connex, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Uh, today I have Scott Pepper, right, Scott? It's actually Peeper. Peeper, okay. You know, all right, all right. And so I've been uh, called both, so I refer to all of it. <laughs> so so uh, I uh, I kind of take the Larry King model a little bit. I used to do a lot of uh, a lot of you know background research on everybody before we do the podcast, but I find it more interesting to kind of go in and my folks know a lot about you guys, but I don't. So uh, it gets you know it gives me a chance to answer you some questions. So I'm starting from nowhere, Scott, as far as your background or anything. So keep that in mind. Okay. Um, so tell me, tell me, Scott, about, about you and your company, describe, you know, tell us about background. Where'd you grow up? How'd your company get started? That kind of thing. Well, first and foremost, I'm a happily married man, been almost 20, been 20 plus years of my life. I have three daughters. I'm from uh, upstate New York, grew up in what I call normal, nice life, humble beginnings, but, but nice, but a nice life. And I've migrated out of New York after college and some time after um, in between down to Florida. And I've been in Florida now almost probably 18 years. Mobilization funding came to me about seven years ago um, as an idea from another friend. And um, I can walk through that evolution a little bit. But my personal basic history, I spent a lot of time in the in sales. I had a, a personal health and fitness business early on that kind of satisfied for a minute my entrepreneurship ideas and bug and it was really a lot of fun and I enjoyed it it didn't quite work out and I got into medical sales and spent probably a good 10 almost 12 years altogether in that field until the next real opportunity came about for entrepreneurship which is mobilization funding and that's really what I've been doing the last seven and a half years so um so mobilization funding this you so you started off the after the great recession then huh we did yeah we really had the idea in 2013 and it was like any good idea it was really just a hobby um we all had other stuff we were doing but a friend of mine came to me one day i pick i pick up the phone he says scott i got this great idea we're gonna we're gonna make loans to commercial subcontractors because they really need the money up front. There's a lot, there's no money available coming out of the downturn, but there's lots of work. And I um, haven't come from a family. My father had um, subcontracting business and my, many of my friends did. My first response was, are you absolutely crazy? That's the worst idea I've ever heard. I never <laughs> wanted a lending business in the construction. There's just so many things that can go wrong. And I mean, I went through it all. And, and some of the stigmas you might hear about, I was I was never really a believer in any of those because I knew my father and my friends. I just knew the, how painful construction was. It wasn't a problem. And most of the stereotypes are just not accurate. They're just they're just exactly what they are. They're stereotypes. But nonetheless, I was I'm, my biggest motivation is always the fear of loss. It always has been. So I was certainly intrigued. And um, the four of us put uh put our heads together came up with a small amount of money made a small loan to an electrical contractor on a project and that was the first loan we ever made now what we did there was an idea that in principle is similar to what we do today but there's so many changes from 2013 till to now and we weren't really even a business until mid 2014 or maybe even 2015 
Um, when I say a business, of course, we opened we opened the business. There was an entity created in January of 2014, but were you really acting like a company and working in it and building systems and processes and structures around this? Yeah, it wasn't wasn't until the end of 2014-2015. So, kind of what you know, you kind of gave me kind of your uh, a basic overview of your of your of your model. What separates you from you know the others out there you said you had the idea so this wasn't something that was actually occurring in the industry so what what what's the what's the differentiator with you guys so the biggest difference between us um for construction is lots of companies may want to lend into construction or have um, but no one's no one that we've found has created a specific construction lending loan program um, some have tried in the past in other areas, and certainly people lend into the space, but they may utilize a different program. The biggest differentiators from us is, number one, we understand construction. We come from a construction background. We built the actual loan program to fit commercial construction, not, only, uh, for, you know, not necessarily all for general contractors, but mostly for commercial subcontractors, just in the nature of it. We work with both general and um, general contractors and subcontractors. The biggest differentiator is we provide the capital when it's needed, which is at the very beginning of the job. So before, before any invoices, before there's any work done, before anything's been ha has happened, we're, we're there at the very, very beginning when the money's needed the most. And obviously your audience understands construction, so I don't need to walk through the cash flows of construction. Everybody probably understands why that is, but mm -hmm. you know, waiting to the invoice. I mean, commercial contractors. I always I heard this from a client early on, and I and I've used it now many times. But they said to me, you know, Scott, it's great that you're doing this, and it's it, I appreciate it because I always drive by the construction sites on my way into work as I'm going to the site, and I see the proudly financed by such and such bank on the outside of it. And meanwhile, I always think that's really interesting because yes they're financing the owner of the project but really who's financing the project is the commercial subcontractors that are on the job and the general contractor they're doing all the work up front they're using all of their credit worthiness with their with either their suppliers or their employees or their own capital to start executing on the work then they invoice it at the end of the month and they wait 30 or 45 days so they're floating 60 days worth of performance oftentimes if not more and they're really ultimately financing it. Yes, yes, of course, banks are taking a lot of the risk, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle that in any way or not understand it. But, it'll, but a lot of that financing is being done by the subcontractors and, and the general contractor that's doing any of the self-performing. And you know, they need the capital at the very beginning, and they need to get paid. And they have a commercial construction that the cash flow cycle of that is so distorted to any other business or industry that the and, the, and then the lack of money available to that industry is even more dynamic. And those two things make a real, um, cause real problems. So that's the strength that I think we have is we understand it, number one. And two, we provide the capital when it's needed, which is at the beginning before you invoice. And then number three, our repayment cycle, our structure is set up with when the when our clients are paid, which is, you know, when at the end of every month they put an invoice in and then they're paid. So we we just take and get back get repaid as they are repaid from the project and then finally the last thing is we'll use the actual project the contract they have 
as the collateral for the project. I say collateral because you know it's not necessarily real collateral like a bank would look at, like an asset or a piece of property or or receivable. But we know that our clients have the ability to perform the work they are doing. If we help them provide the capital to do the job in the most efficient manner, it's going to be great for the project itself. It's going to be great for, our, of course, our client, but it's also going to be good for the general contractor because they're going to have the subcontractors on the job, well capitalized, ability to put the material on the job when it's needed, order it when it's needed, get it there in time, as well as pay their employees, bring the right crews out on the job, use the right equipment. So everything can be done in the most efficient manner. And cash typically leads to the majority of those problems. And if they don't have, if they have the cash they need, those problems won't exist. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, that's, you know, capital is probably, everyone asks me, what what do you think the biggest, you know, concern if you open a business up and it's capital, (laughs) you know, especially our business and, and uh, I think you you hit the nail on the head, and it sounds like you got to, you guys have a good plan, a good focus there. And I I think sometimes people don't give enough credit to the fact that you guys have a an understanding of construction. But I, I say that about my business too. You know that is essential to you know to to be someone who who can lend capital but understand the what's going on there is 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 really important. So. Um, what what would you say your your core focus is? Is it commercial general contractors? Is it subcontractors? What is that exactly? So it's a good question. It's our our focus is really commercial contractors. So any commercial project, we we don't do anything in resident in the residential space, but commercial contractors, typically subcontractors, or a general contractor that's self-performing a scope that could otherwise maybe sub out like mm-hmm. concrete or framing or site work. General, a lot of general contractors may, may have a certain scope or two that they may do. So, but our typical client is probably the commercial subcontractor the majority of the time, the big majority of the time. So they're, they're contracted with a GC. And um, I would say our core focus is the major trades or, or anybody that's in the first 75, 80% of that project, maybe even the first half. So if you're thinking like the site work, the structural, the, um, and anything in between, you know, we're not, we're not typically financing the landscaping company, for example, but structural steel, concrete, electrical, plumbing, mechanical, HVAC, any type of site work, any type of underground, and then framing and roofing. We, I mean, all the big major trades and even the ones in between flooring what did you think was the uh, most significant event that you've had whether you know it, you know business wise that kind of has shaped the model that you guys have today inside of our business specifically uh you, you know or it could be broader terms you know it could be some people say well it was this recession of 2008 you know that that was the biggest you know significant event what would you say that was? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think there's a couple things. One, um, the first, first and foremost, I'd say just this the Great Recession. I know more post the Great Recession than I do before. So my experience really comes after that. But what I understand to be some of the biggest differences is the, the lenders on the project, the owners on the project, any type of money going out of that job 
to a co contractor upon signing the like you typical you could get anywhere between five to ten percent even as a subcontractor just when you sign your contract just to get started and of course that came from the owner to the gc and the gc down to the contractor and that that co those contract terms pretty much parallel and, and go downhill and uphill. So whatever terms come from the bank to the owner, the owner gets to the GC, the GC gives to the sub. And so I think the difference of that rem the removal of any type of mobilization money um, is really the first significant event. I think the second significant event um, was a lot of work of the stimulus package coming out of the Great Recession put a lot of money on the street for government work, cities, municipalities, and it really created a boom. So you have this huge influx of work. You have the coming out of the Great Recession. You have any contracting businesses or construction businesses that were that were able to survive and made it through that were were there, but their their balance sheets certainly didn't look like they did probably before the recession. Their access to capital and banking was significantly different, meaning if they did have it, it probably didn't exist or the amount of money they could get was a lot less. So you have two influences. You have a lot of opportunity and you have a very limited amount of contractors and the amount of those contractors, their, their ability to get work, I'm sorry, their ability to get financing as they were used to or accustomed to is now gone too. And it created that big void and because a lot of those projects were public projects and they needed to be bonded, the sureties were even having a hard time insuring or providing a performance and payment bonds to the commercial subcontractors for all those reasons I just mentioned. And so um, it came out of the surety world and the need for the sureties to try trying to actually bond the subcontractors where the idea came to us and was brought to us you know, one of my part one of my previous partners, um, the idea of, hey, these guys really need some money. You should come up with a lending program that can help them. Um, did you, you know, as far as like a game-changing event that happened within your business, what, has there been anything, and I know you guys, what, it was 2013, so about seven years. Is there been any significant game-changing events? Well, I'm not going to say besides the pandemic, but obviously that's a that's a, a one of them. But but within your company, is there any, has there been anything that has happened that's been like you know for me, I got my first big contract and that first million dollar contract, and that was the thing that kind of just led down the road uh, to uh, growing my company. So what has that game-changing event been for you guys? Yeah. You know, um, there's a few. There's a few. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about two of them. It, our business, lending business, is so similar to a construction business trying to grow, because all, we're we're so aligned to our customers. I mean, what I mean when I mean when I say is what's great for us is great for our customer. Mm -hmm. What's great for us is great for the project and the GC that our customer might be working with. And the flip side is also equally true. What's very bad for our customer is very bad for us. And so. A lot like our like your like our clients and your audience are the biggest events that helped us were the, the most painful that we learned from. Um, and I would say lending too much onto a project, which is synonymous with uh, we had a we had a client was taking on too much work. We didn't know that was necessarily a bad thing, and we financed every single one of them. They didn't necessarily know it was a bad thing either until they worked for one specific project owner or one specific general contractor that just didn't do the right thing or they got 
behind a different trade, you know, and then we learned the whole, some lessons the really hard way. And some of those exp lessons were much more expensive than others. Um, and, and it helped us really land into a, a loan structure that we learned quickly. You know what? We're not, we're not just a lender. We're not just lending money. Anybody can do that. If our, if our whole project was to lend, to, to borrow as much as, you know, get as much money out there as possible, we could do that in the shortest period of time. What we really figured out through some of those really painful events and costly ones was that we had to do a lot more. We had to really be an educational source in this marketplace to talk about the things. As someone who's in between, as a business in between, we're between the commercial contractors and general contractors. And so we, we wanted to start talking, we had to start talking about the problems that exist out there and letting people communicate with them. For example, your average commercial subcontractor, even if they're doing $1 million a year in business or 12 or $15 million a year in business, they, they think that there's an inherent problem with working with a financing source because their general contractors typically may make them feel that way. Or the general contractor doesn't make them feel that way, but they perceive it that way. And that, so we realized we need to start talking about a lot of the, the problems that exist between subs and GCs or owners and projects and those, those stigmas that are put on construction. We need to start talking about them and why they exist and how they can be better and be a, be a light in that source because we help our clients not take on too much work. Don't grow too fast. Work for the right margins. Don't just take on a contract because it's, it's a contract. <laughs> you know, do you, how can you properly finance your business? Are you calculating overhead? What is your real margin? There's a big difference between just marking up your labor or knowing what your margin is, you know, and, and really providing a financial mind to our customers to look at each project and show them what that looks like from not only a cash flow perspective, but a cost and how much money they're going to make. If you think you're making X, let us show you. Are you really making that? And we build a cash flow model out for them. So we we've, we've We've decided and learned from those pain way beyond just providing them a, um, a loan. And it was at that moment that we started doing that and talking about it that our company and our business and our customers really um, expanded and started to take off. What are you seeing? You know, everybody, obviously, the pandemic has everybody talking about it in one shape or form. And and hopefully I'm knocking on wood here, even though I don't know if my desk is made out of wood or not, but uh, that, you know, hopefully we're on the tail end of this whole thing, but how, how has it affected you guys? What have you guys seen? What's your outlook in the future? You, you know, if someone came to you and, and, and got you some general contractor, one of your clients came to you and said, what is your thoughts? That's a good question. Um, so I'd have to separate it by state right now, um, and that was that was the case also. Depending on what state you're in and your local laws and, and, and inside the state, what type of projects you're on, um, significantly were different. We saw many clients of ours. It was literally as life is normal. Nothing changed for them from a business perspective. Um, yes, they had some different requirements on the site, and yes, COVID was a was something that needed to be, you know, managed. But other sites and jobs were completely closed down. Some projects permits were were paused, and it, it's it was devastating. Like particularly in California and um, and some in New York. Um, whereas other states, 
business was usual. They started projects. They didn't even have delays. They had to manage some things just like any other business. But um, but at the end of the day, the construction was was happening, and they they continued to put their work in place, and it was great. Now, um, because of where I, I saw, I think a lot of projects were a little bit that were maybe scheduled for 2021 or 2022 wow. have probably been delayed. So I think there's going to be less projects starting a little bit because of the big pause in 2020. But I don't think over a, a four or five year period, it's going to change too dramatically other than a, there's going to be a lull somewhere in there. Well, and I, the think same a, thing, yeah. a, I was just going to say, and I don't mean to take you uh, to jump uh, over you here. I just, I think what you said is right on there. You know, people are looking at this and only focus on the, on the, the here and now, but in reality is, is that you take a broader picture and take a more you know wider perspective yeah it's probably going to change you know some parts of our life but in the end we are going to get past this like we got past the spanish flu and other things significant events that have occurred yeah no i, I don't disagree i think we had the perfect storm you had a you know had, you had this pandemic inside of an election year uh, i would love to know if this pandemic would have been any different if it was not an election year um, <laughs> yeah. Frankly, I, I don't, you know, you never know. And so I, I think, I think we will, we are on the other side of it. You'll see more and more um, things start to happen, but at the same token, whatever lull there is, I mean, look, there's just, there's a lot of, if, if you are in the plumbing space or you're in the electrical space or whatever trade, there's certainly less plumbers and electricians now. I mean, some people, some businesses just aren't going to make it through the type of, you know, the type of stuff we just went through, whether it's a recession or a pandemic, I mean, financial, if you're not financially sound or you had a project, there's just going to be less people. So I think the, the less amount of businesses is probably going to correlate to the less amount of projects. So if you're in business and you're still there, I think you are going to be fine. You're going to have a lot of projects to bid. I know people that are thriving in this area and I know people that aren't. And frankly, they probably, the ones that aren't probably weren't to start with. And this was just like the last straw, so to speak. Well, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, if we're not dealing with this, we're dealing with something else. And that's what I try to tell all my people all the time is that, and when people ask me for advice, um, or I get, I give difference, uh, I'm a guest speaker somewhere. I always tell them if it's not this, we're dealing with something else. Now, granted, this was a significant event. I don't think anybody can deny that, you know, but, sure. um, but we just have to, you, you hit it on the head when you said, it's something we have to contend with and that's it. You know, it's a, it's one of those other risks. It's one of those other issues that you have to figure out a game plan to be able to uh, be able to still operate. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Like for me, I, I couldn't just close my doors and not go to work, you know? So how do we do it in a, in a smart way, you know? So, uh, um, and the other thing I wanted to point out is you also mentioned about different contractors. This may even open some doors that weren't open before. And I think of HVAC, I mean, air quality is extremely important to people now, you know, and a lot of that money coming from the federal government, I can guarantee is going to be dumped into places like schools and other places where they want to increase the air quality or hospitals or things like that. And uh, those are some opportunities out there. Um, I hate to look at the bright side of it, but that's, that's, that's the reality. It is. You know, I, I brought our team together when this first happened. And I said, look, guys, this is nothing different than what's happened before. It just has a different label to it. It's a diff this is a pandemic, but it's still a problem. 
versus just like a recession. And just like any of these others, there's going to be there's going to be big winners in this environment. There's going to be people that survive, and there's going to be big losers too. And when I say lose, I don't mean in a negative way. I just mean people are going to lose things, and some people are going to win things. And, and you can be on those either side of that, and deservingly so or not. But if you if you just run into it and you don't focus on what you can do to make yourself better and how can you adjust to it and are you prepared and let's get prepared and you spend your time worrying and sulking and this you're doing yourself a disservice because there is there is a tremendous amount of opportunity in confusion there's a lot of opportunity in challenge and if you can start thinking solutions and I'm, of course it's not easy to do but you need to do it anyway and find a way to do it especially if you're a business leader um for your own business or for for inside of a business you got to be that voice and you got to look because there's so many opportunities in front of you and the smallest little tweak or the smallest opportunity shows itself and you're not ready for it because you're busy complaining or playing poor me you know you end up as part of the group that's losing then of the group that's winning out of this and um there's a lot of opportunity for people to make changes those clients you, that would never call you back, they had a lot more time on their hands and they called you back. And if you were consistent with calling them, you'd get those calls back. You'd have opportunities. There's less competition now. You've survived and made your modifications and you're now one of the, the groups that's left standing and now we got all these construction projects. Well, you're, you're viable. You're there. There's less competition. That's only going to be good. So those are the things that I think people need to focus on and be ready for because you're right. If, if it's not this pandemic, it's going to be something else. Well, let me, you know, I want to switch gears here a little bit um, and talk about you as a person and things that you learned and some advice you can give to people. Because although we do have a, a large crowd of construction executives, we also have some younger people that listen to it that are aspiring, you know, um, and I always think it's good to, and even any, any person who's been successful in their career in any way, shape or form realizes that you just don't stay there. You know, you got to continue to learn. And I, I find it very valuable to ask people who have been successful in their career, some of these questions. So how do you prepare for the future? One, I, I live, I live in the present, whatever I'm doing, I pay a lot of attention to it. Um, I also, I'm continuously learning. I read a lot. I, I pay attention to what's going on, um, in the environment. I, listen to different podcasts. Uh, I try to keep a, a lot of different information coming to myself from different places, specifically from places I may not traditionally agree with. Um, because I want to, I want to make sure I'm not tunnel. I don't have tunnel vision. So I think being a lifetime learner, you gotta be, if you, you know, we, we grow up by the time we're 18. And if you go on to college or trade school, you, you may have some type of education and training on a very consistent basis, you know, all the way till you're 21. And then we sort of take jobs and you learn some things, but you don't learn in the same capacity. And so I think continuing to learn and doing the easiest way to do that is by reading. Also um, podcasts like yours and others, and whether it's personal development, professional development, there is, there is access to so much free information and knowledge today more than anywhere else on earth ever in any other time. And you can get anything you need now and access to the information people that easiest as, as can be through whether social media or whatever. And I think if you, if you were, if I was a young person, I would spend a lot of time each week making sure that I was focused on how am I benefiting myself? 
new thing am I teaching myself? Am I learning? What new perspective? Um, and I don't, I do that now for myself. That's really how I prepare for the future. Um, how do you know? Um, obviously we have goals and we have objectives. Um, do you, do you guys prepare a one year plan, five year plan, 10 year plan, or, you know, cause you know, I'm not, I'm a construction guy and I'm not a finance guy. And, uh, I, I, I'm interested to know, like in your industry that, you know, how do you guys plan? So, um, in my back previous background in, in uh, medical sales, we would do all kinds of planning, you know, you'd five year plan, strategic plan. And I saw value in all those things. And some of it was not valuable at all. And so what mm -hmm. we do now today is we, we definitely plan out where we want to go and what that looks like, both from a, <clears throat> from an individual personal perspective, as well as our team and as well as our revenue goals. And what's it going to take for us to get there? But we start, and end always with our our core values and as long as we can stay within our core values and continue to grow or whatever focus we're going on we we stay within that and that dictates and guides everything we do including who's on our team and if we can help and stay within those then we're gonna we're gonna do that but we do do we do plan uh, we do one-year plans and two-year plans and our goal is to try to grow as fast as we can um, responsibly and staying within our within our target markets and where we want to really focus on and help as many people as we can. Um, we started marketing a lot more in a, in a online through LinkedIn and other newsletters, and we decided we were just going to take a very organic approach and provide as much free content and knowledge and experience as we possibly can to whoever wants to utilize us as a resource in hopes that we can help make our the areas that we play in better and better well you know i always i always think that people can learn a lot from success and failures of others so can you kind of tell us tell us two stories tell us a story about when you have failed and how that has benefited you and when you've succeeded and, and, you know, and everybody wants to, you know, grasp onto like, you know, stories because, because they're engaging. So can you kind of, kind of give us an idea there of whether it's personal or professional? Yeah. So you're, um, you're, you cut out there a second, but if I heard you correctly, I think you asked me for a time that I, Are you there? I'm here. I can hear you. You broke up a little bit, but I can hear you again. Okay. Sorry about that. What I asked is I couldn't hear you and you asked the question. I think if I heard you correctly, you were asking me if there was any specific events that were negative that really helped guide me either individually or professionally. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, inside our business, we had, gosh, there's so many stories, but you know, early on, we thought early that it would be important to just lend money and it comes back and people pay it back. And there's some terrible stories. I can think of one in particular where um, we followed, there was a broker community out in the world um, that works on construction. We thought that those brokers had the best interests. We just sort of assumed they did. Mm -hmm. The best interests and they cared about commercial contractors 
and a lot of these broker world they would they would they would promote a product called a merchant cash advance to the commercial construction world and it sounded good you know you, they could call up you put some bank statements in they'll give you a few hundred thousand dollars the very next day and then they'll start daily debiting or weekly debiting your account and what we learned was we we had trusted that the, those those broker sources when they would bring us a client that they actually were there to help the client well what we didn't realize is the majority of those brokers would actually help the client get a loan and then they would immediately or they had already they'd already given these broke the, uh, these merchant cash advance loans to the commercial contractors and it would bury their business we would never understand it. it would just suck all the cash out of the business because they were giving a daily payment and a weekly payment to a commercial contractor in an environment where they're only paid once monthly typically from each project and it would pull so much cash out of the business that as we helped to put cash into the business to be used it, it was a devastating endeavor. And what happened was as the contractor started to lose, we would lose with them. And it was very painful and would almost put us out of business numerous times. I can think of one time in particular for a large contractor in Texas. And um, we made a loan to the contractor and we made another loan on a different project and a different one and typical environment. And, and then they, they got delayed on one project. And they were delayed because there was an engineering design flaw that needed to be fixed. So it delayed the project for two months and all money basically did not flow off that job. And I'm sure all contractors have been there before. It was painful. And so we were waiting and it would have been fine in a normal environment, but these merchant cash advances had pulled so much cash out of that business on a daily basis that it put everybody into a panic state and we didn't, we didn't understand it or know it. So, um, because it, it ended up, that business ended up going bankrupt, but we ended up having a very, very, very significant loss um, that we had to grow through that, you know, frankly ate up just about all the capital that we had at the time and, and a lot of the profit. And we had the choice to fold the business up or, or move forward and make some modifications and adjustments, which we ultimately did. And we were very fortunate, but we learned that we want to help people responsibly grow and not every client is going to be the right client for us um, not everyone's going to have the right mentality to to work with a financing arm um, if they if they only want to just take money and do whatever they're doing now but just get money they're probably not the best client for us because we're going to have some we're going to have some we don't want to be involved all the way in their business but we're going to have there's going to be some constraints with how you use the money you need to use it for what you want to use it for it's not all about just taking the money and, and go. We're not equity investors. We're just there to help you to finish a project and have the money you need to do it and, and help you when you need the next one and that's it. And making those adjustments and modifications to look into that and understand that maybe not every client's right for us and we're not right for every client every time was eye-opening. Prior to that, we would have made loans to anybody that had a construction company and we were happy to do it. It was we thought that you know you make the loans, you assess the things, and people pay you back, and all's great. And and that's not the case. And so I think by doing <laughs> yeah. that, we've learned we've been able to help a lot of these construction companies see things in another light and really help them move from loans from us to bankable to becoming bankable and partnering even with the bank that partners with us. And it's been a lot 
much it's been much more happier and, and enjoyable environment for everybody so what what's what's the future for you guys are you guys going to be have is there a new structure a new product there's a new you know um is there you know what's the future is it or is it you know driving home what you guys are doing every day today the future for us is you know we we make loans on construction projects what does that mean if you're a commercial contractor and you have work that you want to take on our ideal client is someone that's been in business for at least year like hope better hopefully two years they're doing around you know a million dollars a year or more or on their way to a million um there's a couple things that does one our loans are based on your ability to perform so if we provide the capital that you need really you know what you're doing the person that's giving you the contract that you're working for you can execute on it so our, our real our real focus is just to find those clients that want to grow and help them do that extra project that they that would they normally would turn down because it would put too much stress on their cash flow. If they can finance that job using us and it doesn't put the stress on their normal business and normal what they're doing, then they can do that extra project at a time. Or they can they can instead of turning down that bigger project they normally are scared to take because it takes too much money, they can do that job with us and we we'll help them find it. We'll give them the financing they need for it and they can start to execute those jobs and grow. Those are, that's our focus, finding those clients, making sure they understand that we're out there and what it looks like for them to be able to do it. And they can finance that job without putting any extra stress on their um, everyday business. There's also the clients that have been growing a ton. And you know, the, in construction is one of those things where it's, it's terrible. I've had, a, I've had clients tell me before, one in particular would say, Scott, you know, I've had this business for 15 years and I'm, it's grown from a million, $2 million a year to 15, $16 million a year now. And I'm still working for the same paycheck. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, I can't take any money out of the business because I can't, if I take any money out of this business, I don't have enough to start the next one. And by mm -hmm. the time I leave all this money in there, I can't ever get, I can't ever get any of it into my own account. And so we have clients that use us just you know, as a, as a means to be able to pull some of their profits out of the business so they can, you know, get it in their own account, put it in their own 401ks, pay bonuses and, and take some of that profit out. And why can they do that? Well, if you know you have a few hundred thousand dollars to start your next half million, $500,000 project, million dollar project, $2 million project, you, you don't have to worry so much about pulling money out of the business. So we're going to go on to the speed round real quick. And the speed round is simply this. I want you to give me on a one to 10 scale, one being the least important, 10 being the most important. Um, and they could all be tens, right? So I have eight different categories of things in construction. And I always like to get perspectives and your perspective is actually going to be really interesting because we have a lot of general contractor perspectives, a lot of subcontractor perspectives, but I'm interested in from a finance perspective, how you see things. So, and like I said, they could all be tens. So what is the most important or they all could be one, the least important. So with that, um, and you can give a number and kind of explain why you think that way. So the first one is scheduling. Well, you know, I don't have as much visibility to the scheduling end because um, once if I'm working with a client, it's it's scheduled for the most part. But I can imagine listening and talking to the customers we have. That's probably as important as a. It's probably an eight. 
estimating. A 10. Why do you put so much emphasis on that? If you don't estimate the project correctly, you miss something in the scope, you miss something in the drawings, you could be you could be dead before that project ever starts. Um, and, and we see that all the time. Matter of fact, we identify and point a lot of that stuff out sometimes uh, for our clients. I'll, I'll give you a I'll give you a perfect example. We had a client a year and a half ago that um, they were putting they were there was two there was two buildings, each had a separate phase. One of the buildings had a pretty significant sized walkway that was attaching it to a parking garage. And they didn't, they missed that walkway. And that walkway had a lot of value and cost in it. And they ended up having to eat that entire cost um, in that scope. You know, and so if you estimate wrong for that type of error, or you, I'll give you another, I'll give you an even better example. Estimating, it's a 10 story building. You're bidding, you're putting labor onto the job. Is the labor, your labor cost the same on floor on a two-story project as it does on a 10-story project? Is the labor cost the same on the first and second floor of that same building as it is on the 10th? I can tell you the answer is no. It takes a lot longer to get up and back to the 10th floor. It takes longer to get materials up there. Even if all 10 floors are exactly the same, whatever you're doing on that 10th floor is is going to cost you more in labor and hours. It's going to take more time than it is on the first. Um, and things like that, that if you miss, depending on those jobs that you do, and you don't, you don't, you know, you don't necessarily think about those nuances, you can really cost yourself a lot of money. And it can, in, in many ways, make, make be the difference between profitable and not profitable. Now, the next two categories, one's contract administration, one's contract. Contract is the physical contract, and contract administration is the execution of all the administrative uh, items within the contract. Contract administration, I would give it 10, and contracts, I would also give it 10, and I'll tell you why. In contract administration, if you don't have the ins and outs of that contract, first, first and foremost, What's in the contract is all that really matters. It doesn't matter what was said before. It doesn't matter what you're asked to do on the job. If something goes wrong, or even if something's trying to go right, what's in the contract is going to dictate all the terms. Um, in contract administration, if you don't follow the exact paperwork properly, whether it's daily logs, how you're supposed to submit it, the days you're supposed to submit certain things, um, it's the difference between you getting paid or not hmm. that month. It might be the difference between you getting paid, period, and it might be the difference between you getting paid fast or not. So that's really critically important, especially in government jobs or bonded jobs, anything like you really need to be administratively heavy, you should know. And then in the contract language, you can't negotiate everything out of the contract, but there are certain things that you really want to make sure you're well aware of and you can negotiate out of. I'm not an attorney, but we do work with a lot of attorneys, and we actually just recently did a, um, an interview in our Built for Growth show with, a, with an attorney that walks through the five, six, seven things in a contract that you should really be cognizant of and that you should try to negotiate in and around. Uh, design. I don't know if I'm, I'm familiar enough with design to give you an idea. When you say design, are you 
what, what do you the design of what what part the schedule or the project no itself? really the 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 a and e's work before the before construction occurs to, to me the design goes in no understanding design that would go right in with estimating and what you're doing you know if you're building a box instead of something that's very modern with different lines like you should you know it's important i think they all go together with estimating i would put that up there high probably nine no understanding at least the differences does this design have an impact on my on my estimating and my schedule you know at least be able to answer that question accounting it's a 10. it's an absolute 10 and it's probably the most missed thing and the thing that people don't do the most mm -hmm. uh, I, I i like that that's probably the most missed things things don't people don't do the most that's a, that rolls off the tongue really well so that's good that's good uh yeah. selling work Selling work, I mean, you gotta get it. You gotta get work and you gotta be doing it. So th th to me, that's what drives the business. It's sales and selling is, is, is also a nine, 10 out of, you know, a nine or 10. And the last one, and not least, leadership. It's a 10, leadership's a 10. If, you, if you're, you're not leading, you don't, if you don't have good leadership within your group, you don't have the right people. Uh, if you're not developing your talent, which is all leadership to me, then you're, you're going to struggle. You might not struggle at first. At some point, that's going to jump out and really hurt you. Really, really hurt you. Well, Scott, I want to thank you. You said you live in Florida now, right? I do. I'm in Tampa, Florida. Okay, you're in Tampa. Well, all around us. I will. All I got to say is that, uh, you know, I am cursing you right now because it's like 10 degrees outside here. So, and uh, I'm sure Tampa is pretty nice weather right now. It's definitely better than 10 degrees, yes. <laughs> oh, shoot. But I want to thank you. Go ahead. I was just saying the sun's even out today. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I wish I could say that. It looks like it's like uh, about ready to go dark here, you know. So, But I, I want to thank you for coming on today. I, uh, You know, when they told me they wanted to bring you on, uh, when they were going through people, uh, I was really excited about having you on uh, just from the simple fact that, the perspective you have is different than most of the podcasts we have. And it, it was, a, it, it was an interesting take. And I honestly learned a lot from this and, and I think our audience does too. So I always give all of our, um, our guests the last word. So the floor is yours, Scott. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Scott, for having me on. I really appreciate you and your team reaching out. I'm happy to do this. We, we have a very strong focus and I do as well. And it starts with me of helping everybody that we can. That's what our that's what we do. We want to help everyone come in contact with. So there's lots of free content on our website, our cash flow schedule, how to use it, um, and tons of other information you can download for free right from our website. Um, follow me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on there. If there's anything that you I've talked about today, or if you find value, we speak a lot about that on on LinkedIn and through our newsletter. We do a we do a monthly and bi-monthly newsletter and a, our YouTube channels where we post everything as well. So follow us there and please never hesitate to reach out to us in any way. We'd love to help you in any way possible, whether that's our loan program or helping you just find a good bank that actually will work with construction versus some that don't. So well, thank you. Scott, thank you. Thank you again, Scott, and I want to thank our audience for listening today for another great edition of Connex. Have a good uh, rest of your day. 
You too. Thank you, Scott.